Ladies and gentlemen, this is Secret Skin. I'm your host, Open Mike Eagle. On this week's episode of the podcast, we have an interview with stand-up comic, writer, and musical improv specialist, Eliza Skinner. Among many things she does, she hosts a comedy freestyle rap battle called Turnt. And in honor of that, I have decided to freestyle my entire intro. Oh boy. is open mic eager with the free MCs don't rap as decently as me that means a rap with all my clothes on I rap in my closet where there's toys from the Voltron not really it's just a bunch of equipment and some old tea bags manufactured by Lipton and some old computer recording magazines I need to re-up the subscriptions but they're too expensive yeah I'm here to rap like a jabber jar and tell y'all I just dropped a new project called Kavanaugh Get ready, it's me and Serengeti, and I made all the beats so they don't rock steady. Yeah, I made this one too though. I also bought a Dragon Ball game where I can practice space judo with Goku. But this new character I invented, I invented, I meant to pronounce that better. But now I'm off the subject and creating my own narrative subtext. No, that's not the way to do this. This is Secret Skin, it's a podcast movement. That's how we do it, I'm keeping it pure. I'm also here to tell you that we're going on tour. We just dropped the album, that's the Kavanaugh. That's what that means, and maybe you can catch us on the scene. Performing in California, Arizona, and Texas. Yeah, and then we'll go to Europe, cause that's what is suggested that we do by the agents who I have operating there on my behalf. We're gonna go over there and smash. Come and buy a ticket, then come with us and take a bath. Literally, not the other way, cause you're gonna get your money's worth. I like syrup and Mrs. Butter's worth. I like Uncle Ben cause he makes the rice. I like my bills so much I pay them twice. And I'll catch long passes like Jerry Rice. In my dreams, I played football in high school. I didn't write raps then like Ice Cube, or at least that's how it was depicted in the movie's description. Yeah, I've been a pawn. This podcast is Eliza Skinner on. That's why I'm rapping, and this is not an interlude. She's the person on this episode's interview, and she freestyles. She's probably doing that somewhere right now in the meanwhile. She runs a cool show called Turnt. Every time I do it, it's a battle I get burnt. I always lose, cause I take it too serious. And that is not mysterious. Yeah, I treat it like I used to treat an old battle. So that means I'm battling my own shadow, or my own confidence, too much consciousness. I need to get back and give people compliments. That's what my aim is. But somebody else makes me famous. That means they beat me. I always lose and my ego gets bruised. So why do I choose to continue? Cause I'm dumb like that. And you know cause you listen to this podcast. It's called Secret Skin. This podcast is called Secret Skin. And it's freestyle was my favorite mistake. This freestyle, it was my favorite mistake. Yeah, and this Thursday I'm in Ohio with the Claysdale Theater in Bowling Green. 
You'll see me in my clothes so you'll know it's me um, Representing no one's team It'll be me solo, my last solo set of the year Come back, it'll be better than cheers And I mean that not one season but every year I'm always better than Sam and Diane If you don't believe me, you've made the wrong plans I grab the mic and I expand At the top of a tower With power Singing, there's the secret radio hour It's freestyle nonsense There's the secret radio hour off the top of the head, there's a secret radio hour. I got my effects pedal. I'm about to use it real quick. Listen to this, yo, yo. There's a secret radio hour. Every time, there's a secret radio hour. Every time. Let's, talk, let's take the show that I met you doing. Mm-hmm. The Beatdown was mm-hmm. what it was called then. Yeah. Um, it's a comedy rap battle. Yeah. Um, before we even take that further, how did you end up in the position to be running the comedy rap battle? How did, how did you end up there? <laughs> uh, well, I started it in New York. Um, I was on... I, I started out doing musical improv and everybody always which is like improvising songs and mm-hmm. very often improvising musicals in front of an audience off of their suggestions and eventually it would always end up someone would want to rap and they would rap and then they would expect me to be as the to girl to not be able oh. to and i was like don't you tell me what i can i can't do and don't you tell me what my i need this finger when i grew up now this podcast <laughs> needs to be video so i can get that finger like wag as after. soon as someone says you can't do this because you're a girl i'm I just Spring jump right into it. Yeah, I really do. <laughs> and so I was like, I'm going to get really good at this so that I don't, uh, so just I, I'm, I, the quality doesn't dip when it comes to me. <laughs> I think you guys probably don't believe that this is improvised. <laughs> so I'm going to get a suggestion. Pickles. What? Pickles. What? No, pickles. <laughs> it's harder with a mic, right? It's me. Pickles, pickles. They're in pickle juice. I think I would cut, cut loose if I could get some pickle juice in my hand and then I would go up to maybe a fine man and be like, you think you're salty, you haven't seen me. He would be like, oh shit, she's really saying what I hoped a woman would and I would be like, yeah, and in bed, I'm really good. And he'd be like, oh damn, and we smash the jar to the ground. And then everybody around would be like, oh fuck, pickle juice, this smells so bad. And everybody would be like, we... You know, and that was my job. I would tour with these stuff and these you, shows. You guys that. toured mm-hmm. musical improv shows. Now, now, mm-hmm rap was a big component of these shows or it just ended up, up there it would just end up okay. there it just end up there um and one of the places that i worked uh not as a job but just like performed at a lot was the ucb sure. and i was on a house team there and then i got kicked off my house team but i was still the head of the school there so i still had to go into work there wait every day a minute, wait a minute wait a minute <laughs> you can't i can't look how did mm-hmm. you get kicked off the house team there's politics and you know i wasn't doing the style they didn't feel like i was doing the style of improv they like i mean i couldn't totally tell you they the note the only note i got was take more classes and i was like you mean the things that i run and teach yeah (laughs) so that's the way that's that's the way that theater goes and all of them kind of go it's like you get knocked off teams and maybe later i'll get put back on whatever but i kind of had this little break because a lot of people 
most people, I would say, who perform there approach it like this theater will give me what I need. This theater will tell me if I should be believed in or not. I'll wait for the theater to let me know. Mm. And then when that happened, I was like, oh, fuck this. (laughs) Oh, I'm not waiting for anybody. I'm not. No one tells me. I'm going to tell me. I'm not going to wait for anyone to tell me whether or not my ideas are good. I'm just going to go fucking do them right now. I found a bar downtown. Uh, My friend Chris Shockwave Mm -hmm. um, was a beatboxer, and he was also involved in the improv community. And he, for years, had been like, we should do a project together. And I'd been like, yeah, yeah, okay, whatever. And then when this happened, I was like, calling Chris. And I was like, I think we should do something with uh, improvised freestyle rap something like maybe a rap battle um, because there's a lot of people who do it but there's no place for them to do it they would get eaten up in an actual battle um, and there are actual rappers and who are funny and they shouldn't have to like just be mean also Mm -hmm. like what if there was a place that was just for being funny at this and so we sat down and figured out a structure and we started doing it and it was it it just took off what year Um, was this gosh this was a long time ago this was like 2006 mm-hmm. it's not that long ago. 2005 maybe okay I guess you're getting long there <laughs> maybe it was only 2006 um, but it was a while ago and yeah it was the thing with that show the beat down now it's called Turned Up it, it's been it's always a funny show people always walk out loving it but never gotten to some next level with it but that's okay and I asked you about that because we talked about the work that it takes to develop a show to mm-hmm. something visual. So is turned up something that could be turned into that next level thing? My ideal for it, because I've had, I have had people ask me about doing it in ways that I think would compromise aspects of it that I think are really important. I don't want to have it be something cheesy. I don't want to have it be simplified in a goofy way. Um, but... I think that it could it would be a great documentary to like follow around these people during their day, see what they do for a living. Some of them are professional comedians, some of them are day jobbers, right. some of them are musicians. Um, see see who they are, and then see what they bring into a battle. Like some of the best performances I've seen. I mean, and there's many different types types of incredible performance in that medium. But some of the best ones I've seen. Uh, they don't rhyme at all mm-hmm. but it's perfectly okay mm-hmm. because they're up there rapping like they're in it mm-hmm. and they're just connecting their thoughts mm-hmm. in a rhythmic manner yeah. and and just it's almost it's almost like a psychological experience that we're all witnessing like watching this person's thoughts and maybe they're in a character or maybe they're just talking about what happened that day maybe they're just really literally talking about how they feel in that moment but it all comes across so well like, like you almost see inside somebody's heart like that yeah, mm-hmm. I, that's exactly how I feel about it. I feel like you see this certain this new vulnerability right. that you don't get again from either side of that from a stand up. Like, I mean, now there's more vulnerability, but they do really have to be like in control right. and in charge. It's of their very world. rigid. It's very yeah. yeah and I think rap structure. generally there's there's not a lot of vulnerability. Now of we've got like this life and maybe a new movement of more vulnerability in it. But like there's a lot of it's put on though. Yeah. Right? yeah. Um, but so seeing people honestly open up like that, yeah, it's uh, I think that's part of what is exciting to people uh, about the show and exciting to me about the show. And you make music, you do stand up, Mm -hmm. you write for yourself, you write for other projects. What is the thing you most enjoy doing? Um, The thing I most enjoy doing Mm -hmm. is it's a, mm, 
it's a hard, it's a toss up. I'm gonna have sure. to give you two answers. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> Between stand up and making music with other people, mm-hmm. um, I really love stand up. So when something it's very isolated and something very collaborative. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, but I feel like the stand up isn't even that isolated because when I think of stand up, I think of communicating with an audience. Mm-hmm. So uh, I live in LA, but I was just in New York for a few months for work. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah, it was fun being in New York. Um, boy, do they hate LA. <laughs> and they will tell you about it. And it's weird because this is my home, but they will say things that people would never say about your home. No one would ever walk in your house and be like, oh, I could never live here. How do you work? Uh, on which thing? <laughs> well, I imagine that the bulk of your work is kind of just ideating, writing. Mm-hmm. That seems to take up a lot of your time. It's actually talking is a lot of it. Now, how does that work? Well, when you're in a writer's room, mm, you're okay. sitting around with other people and you're just talking and talking out ideas and you have an assistant who's writing down what everybody says so then you can go back and, and, and work it out. And when I'm doing stand-up, you know, I'm talking to an audience and I work out a lot of stuff on stage. Okay, so not a lot of writing. In that. No, like I'll come up with like little bits right. and those I come up with while I'm walking around just through life. Like you kind of, you have to have a little notebook or um, like the notebook on your phone or something sure. and remember to write down any little bit that you think is funny. Also, a lot of stand-up comes from hanging out with other stand-ups right. and I'll be talking to them and someone will say, hey, have you said that on stage? Right. And I'll be like, no, that's a bit try that on stage and so you write it down and if you do that around normal people who aren't stand-ups if they laugh at something you can't be like excuse me i'm gonna just write down what i just said like how i do that all the time really i do that constantly do you yeah i have no i have no issue with doing that at all that is brave that is Mm -hmm. cool you know i don't know i I guess it took me a long time to get to what you're saying right now in terms of the importance of writing down everything yeah because i think i'll think of it later right and now like between you know, between music, uh, yeah, even doing my podcast, like I like I like to have like creative intros, or you know what I mean. And fucking Twitter, mm-hmm. I don't for some reason I'd give all of my thoughts to Twitter. You know what I mean? I do that too. <laughs> yeah, but that's sometimes my notebook. I'll go back and go through and be like, oh, can this be something bigger? Can this is this something I want to talk about more than this? And I'll just sort of grow something else from it. No, I never do that because I always feel like I gave it away. Then I already feel like I gave it away already. No. I no. mean, that's just like if you talk to someone at a party and you say something, you can't be like, I'm never going to say those things yeah, again. But when I'm talking to a party, I'm not talking to thousands of people at one time. Right. But not everyone in the world. Of course. Read it. A. Of and B, you'll do something else with it. Hmm. You know, I mean, especially with music. Right. Like right, right, it's right. completely different <laughs> once you put it through that machine in your brain. Yeah. Do you enjoy working in like the entertainment business? Not 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 the stand-up. They were more like the television, video, visual production. That world. Do you enjoy working in that world? I do. I've really liked again all those writers and like uh, the crew is always cool and fun and finding out what how people ended up in the positions that they ended up in and like what else they do. I find all that stuff really interesting. So I like being around all of it. And I like everyone working together towards some make-believe thing. I think that's so cool when there's like a bunch of grown-ups who are like, all right, well, we have to make these puppets (laughs) swim in this toilet today. And you're like, what? This is so weird. 
Um, so yeah, I do. I really like that. Um, I don't love the communicating with like suits yeah, yeah, yeah. and that stuff. Cause that's when it also feels slippery and I can't tell if in double speaky where I'm like, wait, what's really, what are you really saying? What's, yeah, how does somebody love, really feel? Yeah. I would love to just know how you feel and then we can like, you won't hurt my feelings, right. but I can't, I'm not good. At, it makes me feel autistic. Like I can't decipher whatever clues you're giving me because right. it feels like I'm supposed to be, I should have some sort of decoder ring. And, and that is uh, symptomatic of like kind of Hollywood in general, right? Mm-hmm. There's that sort there's passive aggressiveness, the double speaking, like people's political goals and like their, you know, and, and in what they're presenting. Mm-hmm. Right. So, I mean, have you had a lot of experience in, in, in that and in like just kind of like that Hollywood ickiness? Some, some. And I think that's part of also why I, you know, have haven't run further at things because mm. I'm like oh I can't I don't like that I don't like having to figure those people out um, I my friends who got very successful very quickly are all just the best at figuring that stuff out mm. and working with those people and also just not caring like um, I'm good I, I came up with um, Adam Pally oh, no, no. Uh, he's, he's an actor he's been in a bunch of stuff uh, he was on the Mindy Project He's great. He's really funny, really good guy, but just has the best attitude hmm. about working with those type of people where he's a cool guy and you can see suits and industry people just want to be cool guys just like him. Hmm. And it almost looks like like uh, a a playground with kids being like, "Yeah, I'm I'm like I'm like that Adam. Yeah. <laughs> I totally totally just uh, he does. I've known him longer yeah, than you." Yeah. Like. <laughs> and I don't know, and maybe that the version of that with women is more complicated because usually you're dealing with a lot of men but even if it's not men I mean the patriarchy lives inside women also where it's like instead of being like yeah I want to be just like Eliza it's like I want to fuck Eliza or I want to protect Eliza and I don't really leave a lot of room for I I need you to protect me but that is a thing that I think a lot of women a lot of uh, men in power feel comfortable with women who who need a little bit of taking care of, mm. um, and, I, and I don't think it's any problem for them. I think it's just the way that they are perceived by these dudes. How do you keep that energy from like ruining your experience inside of working with in this industry? I I keep in mind that uh, those people are all terrified. Mm. All of that comes out of them being scared. And I'm not scared of not of those things. Right. Um, I, so when they, when I have to deal with that stuff, I'm like, you know, I, I can't take, I can't remove the fear from their brains. That's how they're going to be. That's not on me. I, and I'm also not scared that there won't be more opportunities. Hmm. So when I deal with that stuff, I'm not like, well, this is the end of the road. It's like, well, this is the end of this road, maybe. But then there's one right over here or one right over there. It's time to go check out some of those. I think a lot of people have it in their minds. And me, me too sometimes. If when I deal with, especially if I deal with like jealousy with other artists or something, it's mm-hmm. like, oh man, there was just that one spot and somebody else got it and I wanted it. And that's mm. it. But keeping in mind that there's abundant spots. Well, that definitely. I think that's a, I think jealousy is a crazy thing. And I feel like the, the worst thing you can do for jealousy is not feel it. 
is feel like this is bad. I'm, I'm sh- I shouldn't be feeling okay. this and, and like get over it, get over it. Instead of being like, okay, I'm jealous. Why am I jealous? What really is it? For me, at least when I've allowed myself to feel it and had those conversations, the answer is usually like, I'm jealous of how productive that person is, right. how prolific they are, how at ease they are in these situations. And, and it leads me to things that I can try to focus on and right. take away that aren't about them. Have you, have you ever been in a situation where you had to have that conversation with somebody you were jealous of? Did you have to, what do you mean? like, okay, let's say a friend got an opportunity, and, and I mean, I don't know. I guess it just depends on how honest you want to be with that person. You know, whether or not, like, you know, you, you were certainly happy for I them. I think I'm sure. so. I think so, and I may have like maybe turned people off or upset them. Like, there's a there's another comic. Well, no, because I I don't really recall the jealousy. It's there's things that I can see in other people that I'm like, wow, you really have that, and I don't. Mm-hmm. And that's so interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think sometimes people are like, ugh, why are you inspecting me? Right. <laughs> but, like, it's better than just being like, well, fuck them. I'm not right. going to even think about my feelings about them. Right. I think. Yeah, I guess I guess my question there was, was in um, getting at, okay, it's one thing to go ahead and experience your feelings. But do you have any obligation if you're in communication with somebody you feel something weird like that about? Do you need to share it or do you just process it on your own? Well, it depends. It really depends. Well, first of all, I don't want to kind of present myself like, I don't have, so everything works out and I am great. Like there's some people that I'm like, I don't like you. Right. I am never going to like you. And it's sometimes it's small, petty reasons. Mm -hmm or shit that's all about me why I don't like you but I just now allow myself to feel that and not make trouble for them or talk shit about them but just be like that's a person that pushes my buttons and I've seen myself be that for other people too and I'm like that's okay I push your buttons I wish you well (laughs) goodbye (laughs) but as far as telling them about it I used to like if it's just someone out in the world no but I've had a lot of creative partnerships Mm -hmm. and I never used to tell them that tell them things like that it isn't even so much jealousy. It's more like self-doubt, maybe. I, uh, You know, when you're on stage with someone else and you feel the audience responding to them differently than you, mm-hmm. that can be and you, tough, especially if you already have something going on that day. If right. you're already in a funk in some way and then you're like, this audience doesn't even like me. They like them mm-hmm. better. I'm garbage. <laughs> um and I used to be like, that's my problem, not their problem. I need to clean that up myself and take care of that myself. And that's how I'm a good partner to them, mm-hmm. by not dumping problems on them, by keeping. And recently I started a newer creative partnership and I started having the same thing. You know, writing on a show, while it's fun and great and I like the people I'm writing with, part of it is having your jokes picked apart all day right, right, right. or having them just poked in the eye a little bit right. roughed them, up yeah mm-hmm. and they're not exactly what you wanted them to be and sometimes they die altogether and sometimes they you know they live on but you're like what is that that's not what i wrote <laughs> huh. but it but it gets the job done and that means you've gotten the job done right. so soldier forth but at the end of the day it leaves your comedic identity a little bit bruised right. and tired and so i was in that mindset and doing shows, doing a lot of performances with uh, my partner, and I felt myself feeling that. And I was like, what if, so as I said before, I never used to share that. 
And those partnerships did not, they died off. Hmm. They didn't end up going anywhere. And I was like, well, what if I tried something different this time? And went to him and was like, hey, here's how I'm feeling. And he was like immediately was interested and wanted to talk to me about it and concerned. And like we had a really open dialogue about it and he was really supportive. And I was like, I'm sorry, I'll try not to do this again. I just, you know, I wanted to, I needed to talk stuff out about like how you feel about me and how you feel about us as a partnership and that, how, what do you think is coming back at us from the audience and all. And, uh, and I, and I was also, I felt so gross during all of it. I'm like, Ugh, God, I feel right. like I'm being like, like a girlfriend or like, like, like a child. You felt like, weak. You felt weak. In yeah. Some like sense. take care of me to someone who is ostensibly a coworker. Right. You know, but, but working together creatively is so emotional. It is like a relationship. You're so vulnerable. Yeah. yeah. So he handled it so well and was so open to having that kind of a discussion. I was like, oh, wow, I'm really proud of me. I'm really proud of him. And this was definitely the way to handle this. And I have a lot of faith in us being able to work together and and do good things together. So sometimes, yeah, tell them when you're like, I think they like you better than me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but just don't say it too much. I mean, you know, it happens, it happens in my world, too. Um, really? Yeah, for sure. Um, I have a lot of peers, you know, yeah. rap. Uh, I have a lot of people that I work with and, and you know, especially when you like go on tour and stuff like mm-hmm. that. There's yeah. favorites. There are yeah. favorites and sometimes it's me and sometimes it's the other guy and but we're all riding in a van together. Like I've had situations where like we're all riding in a van dealing with whatever mental shit we're all dealing with and sitting in our seats and then Everybody will get tagged in a review of the show. Oh, <laughs> you no. know what I and mean? It so then we're the same thing about yeah, everybody. exactly. We're all reading at the same time, <laughs> no. and it's just like just the ickiest feeling, you know. But it's like it, it's that same crossroads. Like, are we going to talk about how we feel about this? Or well, are we going to just like kind of brush it off? Or what are we going to do yeah. as a as a unit? You well, know I mean, what I mean? when it's right at your feet, I think you gotta talk because you basically talk about it rather than act out about it. Right. And if you if it's something that you you can live your life without like acting out, but if it's gonna make you like weird, people be like like when you stop and get sodas, be like, you don't get Doritos. And slap them <laughs> out of somebody's hand, and they're like, what what was that about? <laughs> Nothing. Like it certainly wasn't about this review. Yeah. We just <laughs> then you should have talked about the review. <laughs> but yeah, if you can just be like, well, whatever. Next stop, next story. I had a guy in a date ask, okay, do you like cats? or dogs. And I was like, what, to draw? Are you serious? Are we six? You're asking me my favorite animal and you're giving me two choices. Like I can't like both. I can like both cats and dogs. And clearly by the way that I've answered, the answer is cats. (laughs) I think the only reason to ask that question is to rule out all the people who are like, "Uh, cats or dogs? Oh, neither. I like birds. <laughs> you told me something a while ago when you were helping me with my variety show. We had a lot of talks over lunch. Mm-hmm. And um, you told me there was a point where you were like, in your stand-up, mm-hmm. you were like dressing kind of frumpy, like on purpose for a while. What was, what was that about? Well, you know, stand-up is, again, it's communicating with the sure. audience. And you need them to... It's also making friends with them. Yes. You laugh for, at your friends. Right. right? Well, for some kind... I think 
in your your instance for sure like mm-hmm. i feel like i've only seen a couple of your sets but every time it was like after you were done everybody felt like they knew you that's good you know? good yeah but i don't i don't know yeah, if all I mean, comments some, go you're for right that. there's some that are, that are like more of a character right my philosophy is everyone laughs at their friends right. you know you think your friends are the funniest and you guys yeah, you, you know that's that's who you like laugh until you can't breathe right, with. Right. Um, so my job on stage is to try to become friends with you as soon as possible, right. so I can access that also. Um, and depending on a, a woman, depending on how you look and how you present, that can create walls to that. Mm-hmm. Um, it can create walls of jealousy or of sexual interest. Um, like women can be like, who does she think she has? I mean, women have internalized misogyny and, and all that shit also, and so. You know, women call each other sluts. Women are, yeah, real hard on each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so there would be some of that. Also, dudes would, if if a dude is attracted to you on stage, this doesn't happen at alt shows, but almost every time I do a, uh, um, every time I do a club, mm-hmm. like a club set, um, the dudes, if I look cute, will try to holler at me on stage while you're on stage that is heckling right. yeah and these are drunk guys also but they don't know that that's what they're doing right. they and they don't know that they're heckling so if i shut them down you know just like at a if you're at a bar and a guy tries to talk to you and you're like hey no thanks but the drunk guy he's gonna try again right same things happen on stage if you're like nope my time with the microphone not yours they'll try again and then you have to be meaner to them mm-hmm. and I can be mean right um, and then I'm a bitch so that whole exchange gets complicated and weird and through all of it it has stopped them from listening to me they're no longer it's no longer about what I wanted to say on stage it's no longer about um, the jokes that I prepared it's about this bullshit it's that about, had to happen it's about the re- not relationship but it's I mean, it's about the, the dynamic mm-hmm. of you and Some this person Yahoo, yeah right. so when I would like wear four sweaters and oversize overalls and get on stage, there's a moment where they're like, hmm, what's up with this? This is not, she doesn't look like any like women I normally see or, t- or hear talk, mm-hmm. but that's very quick. And after that, they're just listening. They're not worried about what I think of them in the same way that I think a lot of people worry about what attractive people, what attractive women think of them. Right. Um, they're not like trying to figure out how to talk to me. They're not, worried about if I if their boyfriend is interested in me or, or seeing any kind just of competition taking a, just taking a layer of yeah something else yeah from in between you and yeah. them having a comedy experience yeah and there's also like a different it actually kind of removes a level of vulnerability that I think people are not aware of because if you try to put yourself together if I like do my hair and I put on makeup and I put on nice clothes and I go out, clearly I'm hoping that someone will like how I look. Right. If I go up there just, you know, again, frumpy, I don't care how anyone thinks I look. So it's, it's a little bit more power. Mm. It's a little less vulnerability. And I wasn't, I wasn't comfortable enough as a comic to, to change that, to like be like, okay, this is the amount of vulnerability you're seeing. And I'm going to work with that or I'm going to change it and take power or have power within it also. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now I'm trying to do more of that and to to notice the changes but work with them and uh, learn how to look okay on stage. I mean, well, yeah. Do you, do you have a, a 
dressing philosophy yeah at, i mean at the moment i also it's just what i feel really comfortable in because i don't want to be like pulling at stuff and right. <laughs> yeah wondering oh, what does this look like for me jeans sneakers a t-shirt that's oh. what i feel most comfortable in yeah um i'm very aware of wearing different things for different reasons like i almost almost never wear jeans on a date and i used to but i'm like that's that that's it's like a different mindset sure. almost. Um, and likewise, I never wear a skirt on stage. It's like a different mindset. I need to be jeans me on stage. <laughs> well, why don't you wear jeans on a date? I don't know. I used to because I, because I skew kind of masculine just in general. And I think that's tough for a lot of guys. And I'm like, at a certain point, I was like, Ugh, give these dudes a break. Mm. Like, maybe be the girl a little bit maybe put on a skirt you know you can still tell them who the fuck you're voting for and like, <laughs> you know, still be like another thing but just like try to find some places where it feels okay to be a little bit more feminine it's all it's all drag it's all a dance yeah. it's all know? gender roles and costumes yeah. and yeah so like i make active choices with them do you have like a very I mean we might have covered this already you have like a very clearly defined career goal mm-hmm. is it sell a show is that it mm, yeah right now it is sell a show I don't ha- I, I have had clearly defined goals in the past right now I don't so much and I, I need to that's another thing that I'm kind of working on right now um, but yeah at the moment it is sell a show um, I think I think there are people more who are interested in women's voices now more than they were in the past and so hopefully I can take advantage of that and have another story out there that will feel interesting to people but yeah speaking of women's voices you uh, just started a podcast mm-hmm. um, it's not your first I imagine right it is oh it is your first it's my first podcast tell me about it please it's called Angry Little Goats okay it's me and Will Weldon okay uh, who's another stand up Will is a very cranky political comic uh, from Canada. I mean, he's not a political comic. He's a comic, but he's interested in politics and he's from Canada. And, uh, yeah, we have a lot of fun together. We just, we, we were hosting shows together and we can keep up with each other in a fun way. Um, and we both also have this interest in politics. I do feel like he is a little bit more well-versed than I am, (laughs) um, which is ironic. Pretty busy. I could imagine. Yeah. It's maybe hard to keep up. It is like every now and then I'll be like, Oh shit, we have a podcast. I better read an article. (laughs) Oh no, I need to read eight articles to understand what's really happening. Um, but yeah, it's been really fun and, uh, people seem to like it so far. It's been growing pretty steadily each week. Are you both angry in the (laughs) podcast? Is that, Usually at some point, when we were talking about doing a podcast, he was like, we should call it, are you angry? And be like, or like the angry meter. And here's how mad, or like mad. And I'm like, I really don't think I can match you (laughs) as far as anger. Like you are more angry than I am. And I don't want to manufacture fake anger. That's not something I'm interested in. Um, But the amount of angry I do have, like the one thing in common is our anger is kind of, uh, fussy and futile hmm. so it seems like not like angry military soldiers no we're angry little goats <laughs> like, like we can't make any changes and we can make some noise and that's about it what else should people look out for from, from you 
Um, well, they can follow me on Twitter. Nice. At Eliza's I Twitter. do. It's great. I follow you too. All also right. funny. Um, so let's see. Twitter and um, Periscope. You're doing a lot of Periscope. I do. I do. I try to like do it with a with a point. Um, like if I find myself just turning it on, being like, "Hey guys, what's going on? Talk to me." Then I'm like, "Uh oh, <laughs> <laughs> I should be doing something else, or I should call an actual friend." Now the way this Periscope thing works, it just uses with the camera on your phone or whatever, mm-hmm. and you kind of just live broadcast mm-hmm. or whatever's happening. So you like you you post it up on a tripod or something like what do you what do you sometimes, do? Sometimes <clears throat> so sometimes I do little musical stuff with my friend Drennan Davis yeah. um, and we'll post a thing up and then take suggestions and make up little songs. Um, sometimes I do it a lot of times when I'm someplace that people can't that everyone can't access. Right. So if I'm um, backstage at a comedy club or if I'm on set, I'll open it and like be like, all right, so it's me and like I was like me and Ron Funches ask us questions or like me and the hair and makeup department. What did you, what do you want to know from TV hair and makeup people? (laughs) Um, and that has more of a point to it. And it, it also feels like, you know, when it's done, right? (laughs) You're like, all right, well we did that. Goodbye. (laughs) Instead of just like anything else guys. How long does a session typically last? Let's say you're backstage at, uh, I don't know, UCB or mm-hmm. Comedy Store or something like There's no backstage. Is there backstage at Comedy Store? I guess there is. Upstairs. Yeah. yeah. No, sort of. Um, uh, they're like five five minutes, four okay. minutes. Sometimes like one or two. I always do the uh, the, the little kind of like warm-up cipher thing for, uh, for turn up. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. And they don't like that. Of course not. But that's the other thing about that show. I'm a little bit like, I know you don't like no, it. No, but it's good. That's, I'm telling you, like, all of that weird shit is what makes it great. Like, yeah. the fact that you come out and you set the tone with this awesome freestyle in the beginning. Yeah, and, it, and, it, and, it, you know, rightfully, it intimidates <laughs> these other people who mostly don't do this for a living. You know, but it's good. I think it sets the tone for the quality level for the show. And it, like, it's role modeling. Yeah. You know, like you, you're not asking them to do a thing that you wouldn't do. So bad, everybody would be like, "We had the worst night just now. It was great before, but now there's pickle juice on my shoes on the floor. This is terrible. We got to run, and then uh, how did all of this begun? Well, it was all pickle juice, and it was in my hand, and it was when I started talking to that fairly fine man. Pickles. Yeah, it, it is interesting. I, I, I push everybody into doing that show, like. The, almost anyone I'm like you've got a way that you could do it I don't yeah. know how you could because like you are saying like sometimes it's not rhyming right. but you, there's it's some just way up for you there. to do it you just find your rap essence yeah. you know what I mean yeah. and make it work or exactly. or people that are good enough at improv or sketch they just put on different personalities yep. and it works brilliantly yep and uh, uh, my friend Kurt Braunholer who is a comic I've bugged him about doing it for years and it's one of the only things he, he's one of those guys who like do anything yeah but not my show. <laughs> and we were talking about it in front of someone once, and he was like, yeah, she thinks that anyone can do it because she can. Not everybody can do it. And I was like, oh, yeah, I do also have to keep that in mind. Um, but there was a time when you couldn't do it either. That's the that's thing. That's true. Like, everybody sucked at the beginning. But to an extent. Like, I did have, like, a little bit of a, of a gift for it. Like, um, I saw Jay-Z mm-hmm. on Bill Maher one time. Mm-hmm. Have I told you this before? No. Okay. And Bill Maher was giving him the business about being the greatest rapper alive. Mm-hmm. He was like, oh, look at you, greatest rapper alive. Oh. Were you always, did you always know that? Back when you were like selling drugs, like hanging out at Marcy <laughs> Projects, like, did you know that you're the greatest rapper alive then? And he was like, no, I didn't. Um, because I thought, 
I didn't know that what I could do was special. I thought everybody could do what I could do what I did. Hmm. I didn't know that mine was different. And that I'm like, oh my God, that's like so many artists I know. That's like so many performers. We're all like, oh yeah, 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 I can do this thing. But everybody could do it. They just don't. And sometimes it's like, no, not everybody could do it. Hmm. You're not right. <laughs> that's interesting. I, don't, I, I usually am of the philosophy that everybody can rap. Because I've seen so many different kinds of people but rap. But maybe not the way, like, they can't all rap the way you do. And yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I agree. And, 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 and I guess, you know, that's not, when I say that, I don't mean everybody can do what I do. You know, and I don't, you know, and that's not to say that what I think that what I do is like super special. I just think it's very unique to me because I had to go through doing it the way everybody else did to find that. You know, I just think it's important to to, to acknowledge both of those sides mm-hmm. to have that tension because I feel the same way about comedy. I'm like right. everyone's funny unless you like have maybe a mental disability. Like someone thinks you're funny. Right. You're f- everyone, but not everybody is a comedian. Right. Ladies and gentlemen, that was my interview with Eliza Skinner, and this has been Secret Skin. Thank you all for listening. Thank you all for downloading. Thank you all for continuing to support the program. Uh, If you feel so inspired, please go to iTunes, uh, subscribe there, rate us, review us. If you have superlatives, that's encouraged. Uh, Leave any feedback, leave any feedback, any guests you would like uh, that I would talk to. Uh, Anything that leaps out at you about any of the the guests or the interviews, uh, hit me up at omebooking at gmail.com. Shout out to Infinite Guest Network. Shout out to uh, all the Scandinavians out there, the principal Skinners, the the Scandian Oceans. What? Um, Yeah, give me feedback. Talk to me. Send me words. Um, I'm going to do some more mailbag stuff pretty soon. And... um, let me know any suggestions you might have. Um, I am considering possibly making the show weekly. If that's something you're into, let me know. Um, yeah, just tell me stuff. You guys are out there. Talk to me. Talk to me. And come to these shows. Uh, me and Getty as Kavanaugh. We're in California. We're in Arizona. We're in Texas. Uh, mid-December it's from like the uh, the 10th through the 20th and then we're in Europe in the UK France Germany Switzerland and Austria uh, I think January 14th to like the 21st or something like that all of my dates uh, and the way to contact me if you uh, ever forget is at mikeeagle.net you can always send me email there thanks for listening um, tell all your friends. I know it's secret skin, but stop making it a secret, dang it. Uh, tell people. Put people on. Let's blow this thing up. Everybody tell somebody. Bring somebody else next week. Uh, I'll give you a nickel. I'm not even allowed to do that or say that or say that I'm going to do that, even if I'm not. Anyway, I'm Open Mike Eagle. This is Secret Skin, and that's what you just got through listening to. Bye. <laughs>